Well, I have so many clipboards to talk about this morning and pumpkin spice. We'll dispense with the sermon and we'll move right into it. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Hopefully no one's, yay! <laughs> so thank you for doing that. Not doing that, I should say. All right. Well, let's, let's dispense with the uh, clipboards. How's that sound? Uh, first one is Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar. And for those of you who are awesome at baking uh, sweets, like pies and cookies and all that wonderful fall stuff. If you would like to make a commitment to sign up for one or more of the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar goodies that will be sold, that would be great. So, and I'm gonna talk a little bit more about that right now. We have an informational flyer that's been updated. I know you can't see that, but there's a whole bunch of them out in the entryway. Mama Nina is the focus of our fundraising. Mama Nina, is the one who takes in uh, orphaned children who uh, orphanages can't handle and uh, families can't handle because they do a foster system. And I have to be honest with you, I know that Desi has been there and, and Jamie. She is like the child whisperer. I mean, these young people who are in absolute rage in the orphanages and in other places, it's amazing. There's, there's young men uh, when I say young men, 13, 14 year old boys. I don't know if you know anything about 13 or 14 year old boys. When they're out of control, they're out of control. Anyway, this woman is able to, uh, amazingly, they're so kind, they're polite, and they help her. Well, uh, she has a house that's uh, obviously uh, government owned. That's how they do it in former communist countries. And she has her own place and she'd like to have her kids in her own place. Now, her own place, the government, like fostering uh, parents, they will not allow them in her place at this point in time. So we're going to help her get her house fixed up so she can have the kids in her house and not be so much under the government's thumb. So that's what the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar is all about. So if you want to learn more, information on the back and the front, we'll give you all that good information about Mama Nina and what we're doing for her. Save the date cards if you want to put that on your refrigerator. If you want to grab some and and uh, go talk with friends and loved ones who might be interested. Get a couple extra and make sure that you have them put them on their refrigerator and go over and check their calendar and make sure they have it written down. All right. Oh, by the way, uh, we do have calendars for the Pleasant Hill Church Christ. Thank you for Scott taking this over. This is wonderful. I came back from five days of constant Bible study and and believe it or not, Bible study and putting together a barbed wire fence, I don't know how that works, but it did work. We have two people who want to become Christians now, praise God. Um, anyway, I don't know where I was going with that. Here we do. Oh, Scott saved me from coming back and I'm going, oh no, I got to figure the calendar out. He did it. It's great. Leading right into this transition now, because Scott is much more ahead of the curve than I was, November and December, if you want to sign up for uh, the... Uh, Oh, cleaning the building, there you go. But wait, there's more. <laughs> All right. Government workers with a clipboard are scary. Preachers are scarier, right? <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, the cakewalk. I don't know about you, but I love this thing. And uh, if you've ever done it, it's awesome. Unfortunately, I think I've only won one cake in the last seven years we've been doing this. I mean, I think I financed Mama Nina's place just by getting tries on getting a cake or a pie. I'm right so, there with you, Bill. 
What? I'm right there. I, it's painful, isn't it? <laughs> no. So I had to get a third job left. No, I'm just kidding. So we're going to pass these around all at once so that, I know that's tough, but all at once, please make sure everybody gets a chance to take a look at them. We're going to start right over here with my lovely bride. Thank you, sweetheart. Appreciate that. Apple pies, honey. Apple pies. You know, I've been trying to lose weight, and you can tell I'm failing miserably. It's just how that goes, you know. And uh, you're saying, I know, but you need to be more. Oh, there's one more. We got posters, too. So if you want a poster to put on your front door to scare people, that would be great. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> there are some really great uh, Thanksgivings here, words of encouragement. I want to first say thank you to Jeff and to Kirk. Uh, that were willing to step up and preach and teach in my stead. Uh, <clears throat> you know, a lot of a lot of churches don't have the the depth uh, of teaching we have here, and I'm so thankful for that. Praise God for that. So, thank you, gentlemen, for doing that. Uh, Scott, your message this morning was awesome. Thanks for spending the time to uh, search the scriptures <clears throat> and bring us a great nuggets of truth. Amen. There you go. Give it up for Scott. Give it up for Braxton, too. We missed him to deliver the thing. All right, give it up for Braxton. You know, when you're not here, I don't know what to do. I'm beside myself. Yeah. It's true. Isn't it true? Who's going to help me? All right, so here you go. Alan and Liberty, thank you for being such awesome encouragers. Thank you for being so excited to serve the brethren. Let's give it up for Alan and Liberty. There you go. All right. Oh, one more. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> I was going to say, Jake, could you grab my water bottle? I have two, but I only need one, I think. Maybe not. Maybe bring both up just in case. All right. Thank you. So I have to share with you, uh, working down in uh, New Mexico, uh, it's, it's the shoulder season. And you know what the shoulder season is? We have shoulder seasons here, right? We have nice, beautiful fall, and, and we have uh, a nice, beautiful spring. Well, their shoulder season is about five degrees different from summer. And then, it, and then it goes down a little bit more, and then it goes back up again. So I was working on barbed wire fencing in the desert, New Mexico, and where I was at was desert. And uh, we saw rattlesnakes, we saw... We saw tarantulas, and uh, we had a shotgun for the rattlesnake, so it was okay. Tarantulas, we, they, don't, they don't really bother people. They don't. They don't bite people. Have you ever seen tarantula movies where they're going after people? That's not true. They don't go after you, all right? Horny toads, all sorts of cool stuff. Anyway, man, talk about loving being home where you can breathe the air. It's nice and clean. When you're breathing air down there, I got just sore throat like almost instantaneously. So anyway, it's nice to be home. All right. Anything else I need to do? Oh, yes. <laughs> Honey, I don't have my program. Can I borrow yours? You see, two weeks off from preaching and I've lost it all. I do have my sermon ready, though. It's even with me. It's in my notebook. So <laughs> thank you, sweetheart. I appreciate that. All right, we need to sing happy birthday to Eric Johnson and, and Tanya Johnson, but not today. They're not here. 
So we'll do it when they are. So that, I hope Eric will come back so we can sing to him. Don't tell him I'm waiting for him. <laughs> but anyway, Sunday potluck, October 15th. And of course, you know, that's right before we have our festivities. Oh, by the way, this is something you need to know. Uh, we all thought we were going to go over to uh, Brenda's, but change of plan for evening assemblies on Sunday and Wednesday. It's going to be at the Kirkpatrick's again. So if it wasn't enough, uh, you know, messing up your house and walking out and having you clean it up, we're going to do it again. I know. Thank you. Thank you. They're so gracious for doing that. And of course, you know, the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar is coming up 28. Make sure you encourage everybody to come on out. And then uh, Fifth Sunday Rally, it's at the, the uh, Sunshine Christian Church off of Irvington, Irvington. The, what? Sunrise. What did I say? Oh, Sunrise, Sunset. Well, I guess Sunrise is probably better. Anyway, so uh, great way to meet new friends and, and encourage the brethren. So, And I've been waiting for to fall back. I've been waiting for the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the... Um, change in time. So we have to wait till November. So anyway. All right. Any other announcements? Wow. I still have 35 minutes. I can't believe that. That's amazing. Thanks for uh, this. Great. All right. Grab your, grab your note sheets. Honey, here's your note sheet back. I stole it. Thank you. Okay. Let's go ahead, grab our Bibles, turn to the to the Romans in chapter 10. Romans 10, super powerful passage of scripture this morning. Uh, one of the great scriptures that I think is oftentimes overlooked. You may have read it before, but <clears throat> how many of you have ever heard of the word of faith? The word of faith. That's what we're starting with. It's, it's the word of faith by which we are saved. Look at verse 8. Romans 10, beginning in verse 8. But what does the word of faith say? Now you're saying, how can you say that? It says it. Well, look at the context. But what does the word of faith say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. And if, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Uh, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news or good news of good things. However, they did not all obey the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So, faith comes from hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Let's pray. Holy God in heaven, we are so deeply thankful that Jesus is Lord. 
Father, when we in our pasts have, have tried to be Lord of our own lives, the master of our own destiny, that's Satan's lie. For we are finite and our understanding is limited, as is the days of our life. Our knowledge is limited too. All things, dear Heavenly Father, uh, that are created are limited. They will end someday. And yet you, Father, your Son and the Spirit are eternal. And you have granted to us this amazing uh, life, eternal life, because you have granted, to it, granted it to us through the sacrifice of your Son. Help us to bow the knee and confess him as Lord. Help, him, uh, help us to have, be, have the conviction that he is the master of our lives and that he was raised from the dead, securing life eternal for all of us. Father, we ask that we would see that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there's another passage I would like to read to start this morning, and that is in the book of Psalms, Psalm 130. A very interesting passage about fearing the Lord. In fact, this caught my eye when I was reading all the passages on fearing the Lord. And uh, it is amazing what would cause a man or a woman to fear the Lord. Not terror, as you know, but rather to be moved with a sense of awe and adoration as we would worship and serve him with a yielded heart and mind. Psalms 130, beginning in verse 1, reading verse 1 through 4. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, literally, if you should take an account of my sins, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. There is forgiveness with you, for what reason? So that you may be feared. That fear is not a trembling fear. That fear is an absolute, how is that possible? I am so deeply thankful. What, Lord, can I do for you? How could I ever repay you? Really, that's the mindset that one who fears the Lord would have, yielding their spirit yielding their will to the will of God. Well, this morning we're going to finish that lesson that we started three weeks ago. Uh, I didn't have the time to finish it. I have the time today to finish it. I would be uh, feeling badly if I didn't finish it today. So we're going to jump right in by starting with something that we can all relate to. There are two great relationships in this life. Both are built on faithfulness and love. First is the love of a father. You know, when we take a look at God the Father, He's the perfect father. When we compare our biological, physical fathers with God the Father, you know, all of us, to some degree, grew up in a dysfunctional family. If your dad and if my dad chose to live just like God the Father, then we would have had the perfect dad. He, he would have been there in every moment and in every heart concern. He would have seen it, heard it, felt it, and been there. Some of you have had great dads. Some of us not so much. 
And it's painful when we begin to talk about this faithfulness of a father for his children. But here's the beauty of it. God is faithful as a father for you. Whether your father like mine, who really was estranged from the children, so I grew up really not having a dad present in my life. Oh, he was physically there, oftentimes with a belt, as you all know, but not there for me as a father, a loving father, touching my heart, engaging my life, and helping me become the man that God had called me to be. That's a sad thing, but I'm not looking in the past. I'm looking right now. I tried to be that dad for my sons, but I know I fell short. But our Father in heaven is a father like no other. He's perfect. He is faithful. He created you, and he knows you, and he loves you more than you love yourself. And he knows you better than you know yourself, and he is constant and ever-present. And when we begin to recognize that, that's when we begin to yield our heart in trust and faithfulness in return. But then we take a look at Jesus. He's the husband of the church. And I know as much as I've tried to be a good husband, I've been an abject failure so many times. And my wife is so kind and gentle as not to share those with other people. Now, I've gotten a lot better. Right, sweetie? Okay, good. I've gotten a lot better. I've grown. But I would like to say that I've arrived at perfection. And the sad fact is, as you well know, still a work in progress. You know, I've come a long way, baby. But uh, I'm not quite there yet. But see, Jesus Christ is the perfect husband. He's the one who sacrificed himself in every way while he walked this earth. He was the one at the very beginning of creation said, Hey, here am I, Dad, send me. He was so eager to come and become the one who would be the sin bearer of, of all mankind. And he proves his love by bearing all of your sin and my sin on the, in his body on the tree. You see, this passage of Scripture in Psalms and this passage of Scripture in Romans are powerful in speaking of the faithfulness of God and the love of God for you. And when you grow in an understanding of that, you'll be rendered. You will desire to yield yourself to him and to his sovereign authority. And so let's quickly go through the first point, just by way of review. In the book of Romans in chapter 10, verses 8 through 17, if we'll go back there, I, I want to just take a quick look at that, that passage once again in one little verse. One little verse you say, no, I can't believe it. Yes, believe it. We're just doing a review. In chapter 10, and take a look at verse 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord... If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you're telling the truth, he is Lord, if he is the Lord of your life, you know what that actually means? That word Lord there is an interesting word. It's the word, and I better look at my notes because I'll mess it up, curios. It means supreme authority. He's in charge of every aspect and facet of my life. As I said before, he loves you more than you love yourself. As I said before, he knows you better than you know yourself. And he created you 
and desires you in heaven. Brethren, God desires you in heaven. He wants all his children in heaven. As I've shared with you before, I will not consider myself a successful father until all my sons are in heaven. We're not there yet. So you know what? As a parent, there's always that white knuckle. White knuckle. You know what a white knuckle situation is? You ever ridden a, a roller coaster? And I'm not saying that you've caused my life to be a roller coaster. I'm just saying, well, somebody laughed at that. <laughs> what I'm saying is, that just know the fear there is sometimes. It's like, oh, you know what? I think until I see my sons receive their crown and that white stone with their name on it, and I hear them say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, I'm still holding on, white knuckle, praying hard, being a mentor now, uh, there's no more spankings. It wouldn't work even if I did. That'd be weird. Okay. <laughs> but being now a mentor, when they desire it. You see, it's amazing that our Father in Heaven wants us in Heaven. He wants us there. He will, he will speak to us through the Word to encourage us. And so I love this faith in Christ's sovereignty and salvation. He wants us in heaven so much so that he took care of the price of our sin. Look at Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52. We didn't look at that last time, but it really says the same thing. What an amazing father we have. What an amazing husband in Christ we have. Isaiah and chapter 52, verses 6 through 10. Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore in that day I am the one who is speaking. Here I am. How lovely. And see, Jesus said that. Here I am. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Who announces peace and brings good news of happiness. Who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. They shout joyfully together, for they see with their own eyes when the Lord restores Zion. Break forth, shout joyfully together, your waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has uh, barred his whole, bared his holy arm in the sight of the nations, for all the ends of the earth see the salvation of our God. No one's worthy of salvation. Not one of us. The only way that we will enter into heaven is that we bow the knee and confess Jesus as Lord and receive the great salvation that he has granted through the sacrifice of his son. Unless someone receives the rich blessings of the forgiveness of sins and the indwelling presence of his Holy Spirit, there is no salvation. See, there are two lords in this life. You and God. And you get to choose which one will be the Lord of your life. You will either choose yourself or you'll choose Jesus Christ. Be careful, brethren, because God knows our hearts. 
Remember, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Well, that's kind of powerful. That's kind of in your face, isn't it? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? You see, it's true that we need to recognize the greatness of Christ, God our Father and His Son, the husband of the bride, but we also need to know the great sacrifice that He made for us. To move us then to that point of bowing the knee and allowing Him to be the Lord of our life. Now let's look at the second part of the lesson this morning. And I would encourage you to read those other passages in, in that note sheet. There's quite a few there. Going back to Psalms 130. Turn there once again with me. Psalms 130. And we have 20 minutes to work through this second point, And I want to get you out on time. So Psalms 130. Beautiful passage of scripture. And we fear him because he has forgiven us. Now, the fear is not trembling. The fear is humbling ourselves before His amazing grace. Psalms 130. And I want you to maybe, maybe take a little note. If you write in your Bible, I'd encourage you to do that. If you don't, take a little note here. Notice what verse 1 says. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Do you remember when you were held captive by the devil to do his will? You'd made so many foolish decisions and your life was just crashing in uh, around you. It was very interesting in this last, this last five days when I was down in New Mexico. There was a grown man who said it wasn't but just six months ago that I was committing or I was contemplating committing suicide. And he said all the horrible things I've seen in my life and all the things I've had to deal with. And I can't sleep all night long. I have nightmares. When he said, I thought about just ending it. That's really a terrifying thing. You know, there's so many who are in pain like that. Maybe not the way he was, but are in pain. The devil orchestrating that kind of, of pain. And as we take a look at this passage of scripture, this man is crying out, crying out from the depths, the depths of despair, the depths of hopelessness. I don't know if you've ever been in that place before. I have more than once. Notice he's crying out. He says, uh, I have cried to you, O Lord God, Jehovah, Yahweh, eternally existing one. And then look at verse two, Lord, hear my voice. You know, that word Lord is not the same word, Jehovah God. That word is master. Do you see that this person recognizes Jehovah God as master over their lives? He says, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. And then verse 3. If you, Jehovah God, should mark iniquities, if you should keep an account of my iniquities, O oh Master, who could stand? Do you recognize that no one stands before God? And here's, well done, thou good and faithful servant, unless they have recognized God's offer of salvation and have yielded to it. 
You see, it's so important for us to recognize then in this last verse, this verse four, but there's forgiveness with you that you may be feared, that you may be loved with a sense of awe and wonder. You might want to jot that down. But there's forgiveness with you, O God. There's forgiveness with you, my dear sweet master, because you may be loved with a sense of awe and adoration for what you've done for me. The sad fact is, is if we don't really understand what God has done for us, what God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, of all things seen and unseen, if we don't recognize what he's done for us, we'll not bow the knee. Because who will be master? Who's going to be master? You'll be master. God's given us free will. You can choose to be the master of your life or you can allow him. And if you allow him because of his great love and his great faithfulness, you will in fact fear him as he needs to be feared. A yielded spirit in adoration and love. Well, look at, look at uh, Jeremiah 33, verse 8 through 9. This is an amazing passage of Scripture in and of itself. Many of you know that Jeremiah several times speaks of the new covenant. And notice what he says here in this passage. He's speaking about the gospel. Jeremiah 33, verses 8 through 9. Almost says the exact same thing as Isaiah. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned against me and by which they have transgressed against me. It will be to me a name of joy, praise, and glory before all the nations of the earth which will hear of all the good that I do for them. And they will fear and tremble because of all the good and all the peace that I make for them. Do you see what it says there? When we recognize what God has actually done for us, we actually are moved in love and a gratitude, a debt that we could not pay, but he paid for us. I think sometimes, and this is for me, I'm not going to put this on you, but I think sometimes, and I, was just, I just went, you know, to church and two other places, I think sometimes it's says he to go, oh, I've heard that scripture before. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Mm, yep, good job, preacher. That's me. Sometimes it's easy to go, okay, I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to... I'm talking I now. I'm not talking you, I. Sometimes I need to be here because that's what I'm supposed to do and I'm just going to... You know, go for the 30 minutes or whatever it takes to get that little check off the box. Don't be that way. We need to grow in our love for him. We need to grow in our reverential fear of him for what he's done for us. When grace, the grace of God grabs you and you realize what the creator of the universe has done for you in suffering for you an eternal lake of fire and three hours on the cross so that you could be free. Do not use your freedom, brethren, to indulge the flesh. 
Paul says. But use your freedom to serve him, the one who died for you. I don't know about you, but that really moves me. And you know, sometimes when I've been talking with people, and I know I've done this probably with several of you, I talk about the grace that was granted to me, and I get choked up when I think about it. Because I surely don't deserve heaven. But I, if I remain faithful to the one who faithfully loved and laid his life down for me, I will stand in heaven with him. But I surely don't deserve it. We should always be filled with overflowing gratitude for what he has done for us. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. Going back to the New Testament now, 1 Corinthians 15. <clears throat> Excuse me. 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. You know, sometimes, sometimes when someone really, really bad becomes a Christian... They are so zealous, and it seems like you can't shut them down. How do I know that? Paul is the perfect example. I love this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He's bemoaning the fact that he was such a rotten dirtbag, and yet the amazing grace of God grabbed him on the road to Damascus. And he bowed the knee three days later and became a Christian. Listen to this, this, these words by the Apostle Paul, beginning in verse 9. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 9. Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles. That statement is, I am, have such a rotten past. I tried to exterminate the church. I pulled men and women out of their beds at night who I found to be Christians, and I dragged them down to the to the." Uh, temple to be judged and then murdered the next day. That's exactly what he was doing. And he was on his way to Damascus to do the same thing. He said, I, I am least of all the apostles and I'm not fit to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Do you hear that? He's the leading apostle. God allows him to write the vast majority of the New Testament. That God allows him to kick the door of the gates of hell into people's lives all over the known world. And he was the one that was trying to murder Christians. And that was all he could think about. It says that he ravaged the church. And he says, and I think with a heart of like, I can't believe it. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm a servant of his now. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Get, get a handle on that, brethren. What's he talking about? I am so undeserving, and yet because I was been given grace, I am zealous. I am zealous to do this great work. And I and I and I I got pierced by this verse, verse ten, right near the end there. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace uh, toward me did not prove vain. <clears throat> I asked myself this question when I was reading that. Will his grace prove vain in my life? 
Do you know what he's actually saying there? Am I going to squander my life on selfish desires and self-will and self-righteousness and me being the Lord, the master of my life? Or am I going to what? Honor him by laboring even more than all the rest. You know my past. You know that I'm an A-type personality. You know that I just in wild abandon locked with my hair on fire, going to, the, to hell as fast as I could with as many people as I could be with. And yet when finally I saw the grace of God doing the same thing in the opposite direction, shouldn't all of us be that way? Because couldn't one little sin send you into the lake of fire forever and eternity, just one little sin. And Jesus would have died just for you if you only had one little sin. And the one little sin would be you're nailing him on the cross. You realize he would have come just for you if you're the only one and you only did one little sin. You know that's he came for every single human being. No matter how few of sins or how great of sins, one sin will keep you out. He died for all. He's the one that created us. You know what really amazes me? He got down from the Last Supper table. Remember what he did when he got down from the Last Supper table? Okay, boys, it's time for me to go to the cross. No, he didn't do that. He said, I got to show you something. Remember what he did? He got down from that table and he took off his robe. And he got a bowl of water and he washed their feet. He says, here's an example I'm leaving you. The creator of the universe before he goes to the abyss because of your sin and my sin, wants to leave us an example. He washes their feet. How humiliating for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who created all, to bow and wash dirty feet. But he did that for an example for us that we would do the same. He did more than wash dirty feet. He went to the cross and bore all your sins and he cleansed your filthy soul. Does that move you? To want to go, I desire to serve you because of your faithfulness and your love. I don't deserve it. I am going to give myself more fully to serving you. That moves me. I don't know if it gets under your skin, but it gets under mine. I can really relate to the Apostle Paul. Peter, not so much, but the Apostle Paul, a lot. Finally, let's close with this one, and this is a great one to close with, and I think you'll get the point. It's a little bit long. I won't spend too much time on it. I know you've heard it before, but such a powerful example of those who love the Lord most will be recognized by Him the most. In this passage of scripture, you're going to see one person who's Lord of their life. And you're going to see another person who's made the Lord Jesus the Lord of her life. Turn with me to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. I'll go through it quickly. You'll get the visual. I know you will. But notice, she made Jesus the Lord of her life. This man who's holier than thou, that knows all the Bible made himself Lord of his life. We need to choose who's going to be the Lord of your life.
who's going to be the Lord of my life? Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table, and there was a woman in the city who was a sinner, prostitute, that's what it should have said. And when she learned that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume, and standing behind him uh, at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing them, kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, now notice this is in his brain. God lets us see into this guy's brain. If this man were really a prophet, he would know who and what sort of putrid, sick, perverted woman this is who is touching him, that she is a prostitute. Such a loving man. He knows the scripture, though. He's just not living it. Amen? And Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, well, Say it, say it, teacher. A money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, which is uh, about a month's, or about a life's of wages, and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them loved him more? Simon answers that, I suppose, the one he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. You can just see this guy. Oh, I am so smart. This guy really thinks I'm something else. He does think he's something else. All right. Simon answered, I suppose the one who forgave more, he said, you have judged correctly. Turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. And Jesus being gracious here says, and he, you know who he is, right? But he who is forgiven little, loves little. When he, and he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Notice what her faith did, brethren. Her faith moved her to bow before the creator of the universe and wash his feet and kiss his feet and perfume his feet. Serving him. And Jesus would do that not many months from now with his disciples. We have two minutes left. I want you to go back to 1 Corinthians and 15. And let me ask this question once again. And it's really up to you. I'm not trying to convict you. I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable. I want you to choose Jesus as the Lord of your life. In every area of your life. The Apostle Paul once again in 1 Corinthians says, For I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. I murdered Christians. 
but by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them. Is the grace of God proving vain in your life? What does that mean? Useless. It's not having any impact in your life. There's no zeal. There's no desire. Like that woman, that prostitute who came and laid her life down before his in serving him? Or are we like the Pharisee Simon? Hey, I got all this dialed in. I know what the Word of God says. So you need to clean your life up because I know what the Word of God says. You know what? It doesn't matter if you know what the Word of God says. You know what really matters? is that you live it. Yeah. That you live it. Amen. Don't be quoting Scripture to people. Just live it. Be compassionate, be gentle, be kind, be gracious, be loving, be sacrificial, be forgiving. All those things manifest who? They manifest Jesus because you bowed the knee. You bowed the knee to serve him and walk like him. Amen? Let's close in a word of prayer. Our holy God in heaven, to fear you as the scripture teaches is to be overwhelmed with a sense of awe because you as the creator of the universe sent your son into this horrible world and this horrible world murdered him and in so doing you were able to pour all the sins of the world into his body that those who would humble themselves, those who would yield their will to your will would receive salvation, would receive eternal life. The fear then of the Lord is to yield ourselves to you in sacrificial service, being faithful and loving as you have been faithful and are loving for us. We ask that you'd help us to see this. You'd, I, we ask that in the, in the weeks to come as we talk about true faithfulness and true loving kindness, that we would see it in you and we'd humble ourselves, sacrifice that self, and serve others as you have and continue to serve us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand up and get all excited. Let's stand up and get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right, let's go get her done.